Welcome to the South Plains Church of Christ Sermon Podcast. My grandma said, repentance is like eating spinach. When you finally eat it, it's actually pretty good. And in the long run, it's really good for you. Now, let's be honest. Nobody wants to talk about repentance. When we think of repentance, we think of having to fess up to our mess-ups. And that is not fun. In fact, it can be quite painful. Maybe when we hear the word repent, it conjures up bad memories about street preachers and bullhorns and extremists picketing at soldiers' funerals and such. But if we are approaching the topic of repentance as a Christian body, that means we are a body of people who have already repented. And if we're approaching this topic as a Christian body, that means we are a body of people who believe that God's instruction for repentance is part of his beautiful plan of salvation, making repentance beautiful. So please don't be afraid. Please don't even be annoyed. Repentance is actually a very good word, and it's a word we must share. Would you pray with me? Father, you are the same God of all of these characters that we see in the Bible. And we ask that you would guide us by your word today. Father, please be glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you'll see this slide of uh, our ski trip that we took last week to Angel Fire. Uh, Last weekend, I went along with 19 students from South Plains to Angel Fire, New Mexico, to ski for a couple of days. And as often happens on a retreat, this is probably happening right now um, on the youth winter retreat, some of the best memories are actually formed outside of the planned times. In our case, the planned times were skiing and meals and some worship. Well, following a full day, of skiing and a delicious dinner last Saturday night. Gage Bunting, and some of you know the Bunting family, Gage Bunting lost his phone. Well, he contacted his mom and our uh, office manager, Amy, uh, and her ping attempt on the device told us that it was on the premises. It was at the cabin, this this kind of three-leveled cabin. So for an hour and a half, y'all, nearly 20 people searched that cabin for Gage Bunting's phone. And let me tell you, it was hilarious. Um, It was like we were living in the murder mystery game Clue. Gage, where were you the last time that you had your phone? Gage, what did you do next? Etc. Well, near the end of about 90 minutes, It seemed that there had been no stone left unturned. Uh, The last place Gage remembered using the phone was on the living room couch while we kept flipping the cushions. We We kept reaching way down into the folds of those cushions. I recall Sydney... And you'll see this red shirt of, uh, of Gage here. And you can see people in the background. 
You can see Sydney on the ground. I recall Sydney confidently saying, guys, I believe, I believe it is in the couch. And it's a miracle that we didn't end up cutting that piece of furniture open. As for the full cabin search, I know that JC, and this is her and Caden's parents' cabin, and they've been really gracious to us through this for a couple of years now. JC had literally looked through all of the boys' clothing, which is gross, because they've been skiing hard that day. And eventually, I just kind of sat back and watched. I mean, it was so funny. Well, finally, a young man named Brighton, who was kind of minding his own business downstairs, just watching the San Francisco Green Bay game, he, of all people, had the thought to look under a shirt on the path to the shower. And there it was. And there was great rejoicing. The lost phone had been found. Well, you'll see this picture of a devotional we had the next morning. And Jaden, who just spoke, that's JC's husband, um, he gave a communion talk there, and he joked that he should have been speaking about the parable of the lost coin. Well, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Would you turn with me to Luke 15? And we're actually, we're actually going to read this whole chapter together, and that's 32 verses, but listen, we can do this. It contains three parables that are pertinent to the topic of repentance. And as we read, I want to encourage you with these three things. I want to encourage you to pay particular attention to the similarities between these three stories. I want you to pay attention to a major difference among the three. And I want you to pay attention to anything that has to do with repentance. So here we go. Luke chapter 15. I'll be reading from the ESV. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one, and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on its shoulders, on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance." Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the, the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. 
and he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and, and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes, came who had devoured your property with prost- who has devoured your property with prostitutes you killed the fattened calf for him and he said to him son you are always with me and all that is mine is yours it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive he was lost and is found Okay, what similarities did you notice? In each of these stories, something is lost. A sheep, coin, a son. Something, someone is searching. A shepherd, a woman, a father. The animal or the object or the person is found. And there is great rejoicing. So again, something is lost. Something, someone is searching. The animal or the person or the object is found, and there is great rejoicing. Next question. Did you happen to see the primary difference in these three stories? I actually believe this difference allows us to understand Jesus' primary purpose with the three parables. Let's read the short introduction one more time. 
Luke 15, 1 through 2. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. The Pharisees and the scribes are bent out of shape that Jesus has the audacity to receive sinners and eat with them. This was very much against custom. Now look at the third story. I believe Jesus is telling the Pharisees and scribes that they are the brother of the prodigal. Jesus states the same even more directly in Matthew chapter 23, verse 13. He says, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. They are the ones frustrated with the Father's grace. Jesus showing love to the people on the fringes. They are the ones choosing to stay outside the house, avoiding the celebration of the good news of the kingdom, the gospel for all. I believe this is Jesus' primary purpose. And to this, we find ourselves saying to the Pharisees and the scribes, Come on, guys, get it together. But then if you're like me, you realize sometimes that is me. Sometimes I withhold the good news of Jesus by keeping away from people on the margins of society. I believe Jesus was using these three parables to talk to the Pharisees and the scribes then. But I believe he's talking to us now. But not only about the gospel for all, but about the importance of repentance in response to that gospel. Luke 15 reminds us, repentance is the initial trusting step from being lost to being found. The story of the lost sheep ends with this statement, just so I tell you there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. The parable of the lost coin ends with Jesus saying, Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Finally, from the story of the prodigal son, we read, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. In each of these symbolic stories, repentance is the initial trusting step from being lost to being found. It is necessary for salvation. Next, and also from the story of the prodigal son, we are reminded that repentance has two sides. According to the Blue Letter Bible, the first definition of repentance is simply this, to change one's mind. The second definition expands on the first, to change one's mind for better, heartily to amend with abhorrence ones of one's past sins. Key to this statement, the change from being lost to being found involves both a mind change and a heartfelt life change. 
Verse 17 of the NIV translates the turning point of the son with these words. When he came to his senses. Brennan and I have a friend who claims lasting weight loss begins with this realization. You have to get to the point where you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Repentance from sin involves a change of mind. It's coming to your senses. It's being sick and tired of being sick and tired. It's saying, I used to believe this, but now I believe this. However, recognizing reality is just the beginning. Inevitably, with weight loss, what starts with being sick and tired of being sick and tired must be followed by a change in diet or exercise, etc., It must be followed by a heartfelt life change. Once the son came to his senses, he got up and went to his father, remorseful for his actions. He changed his mind for better, heartily amending with abhorrence his past sins. Repentance from sin involves a heartfelt change. It hurts to admit that I once walked this path of death. But I have renounced my old ways, and now I walk this path of life. It's a complete 180. For those who are familiar with Churches of Christ, no doubt you have received a steady flow of Acts chapter 2 in your lifetime. This is an incredible chapter for many reasons. But it wasn't until recently that I realized that the thrust of Peter's speech centers on persuading the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. Before the wonderful call of Acts 2.38, Peter tells faithful Jews who have traveled from, to Jerusalem for Pentecost using words from their Bible, the prophets Joel and David, that they have killed the Savior they were waiting for. And they are convicted And their conviction reveals a mind change. They now believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, and they realize their role in his death. This mind change, it terrifies them. What, if anything, can be done? And instead of responding with the understandable rage of a human who has just lost their child to murder, God inspires Peter to say the most beautiful thing anyone could ever hear. Repent. In this moment, this word that sometimes eludes our presentation of the gospel because we are concerned it might turn off or offend or push away, this word is the most beautiful word. This word in that moment means there is hope. This word in that moment means there is life. This word means everything in Christ. And mind change is complemented by life change. The people repent. They're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. And they are filled with the Spirit And they begin meeting together with boldness in the temple courts and in their homes. Even though more lives will soon be lost for this gospel, they begin sharing all that they have with anyone in need. Repentance is marked by mind change 
and life change. And it is the initial trusting step from being lost to being found. Repentance is necessary for salvation. And it is a good word. The consistent question I've had while studying Luke 15 recently is what does today's church need to hear about repentance? Brent and I have been excited since moving back to Lubbock to introduce a Bible study format to the university students called the Discovery Bible Study. You may be familiar with this format as Carter and Sam have used it with the youth as well. At its base level, the Discovery Bible Study encourages the people involved in each study to sit at the feet of Jesus, reading and rereading and discussing a short passage from the Word with the goal of discovering what He has to say. Jesus is the teacher. Two standard questions asked at the end of each study are as follows. What did you learn about God? And what did you learn about people? The remainder of our time in Luke 15 could be divided into these two categories. What does today's church need to hear about repentance? Well, one, we need to be honest about who God is. And two, we need to be honest about who we are. First, we need to be honest about who God is, and God is good. Who is the central character in each of the parables of Luke 15? Are the parables about the sheep, the coin, the son? Well, no doubt they are central to the story. The actions or the results of these objects or people are not surprising. Sheep wander off, coins get lost, and at some point in their lives, our children are prone to make selfish and foolish decisions. Now, it is the God figure in each story that is surprising. The shepherd leaves 99 sheep to go and find one. The woman searches intently for something that, if taken one way, was not worth very much. And the father, he repays selfishness and foolishness with the best he has. I appreciated a conversation with an LCU professor earlier this week who said, if prodigal means wasteful, then perhaps the most wasteful person in Luke 15 is God. He went on to explain that the second son cannot handle the lavish grace of God. It is offensive to him. Come home, come home, ye who are weary, come home. What happens when the world consistently hears from us about a God that is searching for them, who is watching for their return, who runs to them when they decide to come home. It's pretty amazing. The most natural step is toward home. It's not an easy step. It may be painful abandoning the companion of anxiety or addiction or leaving the familiar company of an oppressor or a slave master, but the pain pales in comparison to the promise, and the most reasonable step is toward home. Eugene Peterson, late author of The Message, was a tremendous scholar. 
But to his son Leif, he was dad. And according to Christian Post reporter Stoyan Zymov, this is what Eugene Peterson's son said at his memorial. Leif Peterson revealed that he used to joke with his father and tell him that he only had one sermon, one message, despite decades of creativity and sharing the Bible with people in new ways. Leif says, For 50 years you steal into my room at night and whisper, whispered softly to my sleeping head. It's the same message over and over. God loves you. He is on your side. He's coming after you. He's relentless. Andrew Peterson would whisper this in his son's ear every night. God loves you. He's on your side. He's coming after you. He's relentless. Brothers and sisters, we need to be honest about who God is because he is good. We need to believe it. We need to speak it. We need to live it. We flinch at the word repentance, and we flinch at sharing the word repentance when the supporting message is hellfire and brimstone, and reasonably so. But when the supporting truth of this word is the shepherd who is searching, the woman who is looking, and the father who is watching and running, the God who is relentlessly pursuing the lost, the goodness of God compels repentance. What does today's church need to hear about repentance? First, we need to be honest about who God is, and He is good. But second, we need to be honest about who we are in church. We are free. Jesus says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Do we believe this? Paul writes to the Galatians, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Do we live this? Another LCU professor, mentor of mine, consistently tells me, in word and deed, he says, I wish I could get the attention of people to understand who they are in Christ. He almost physically cringes at popular songs that might be taken as encouraging Christians to wallow in sins that were forgiven long ago at the cross. He wants us to live beyond repentance, rejoicing in our freedom. I obeyed the gospel in Dumas, Texas, but as a young Christian, I knew very little about God's grace. I bet there was a period of my life, about a four-week period, where I went forward at least four times. The congregation was gracious. They were complimentary of my sensitive heart, but they also patiently encouraged me to grow in my understanding of grace. Several mentors in my early days guided me to 1 John. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. My father, who was also my preacher, consistently taught me that salvation is not a tightrope. If you're walking in the light and you stumble, you're not out of the light. Simply get up and keep walking. It's the trajectory that is key. It is the trajectory that is key. When we spend our time as Christians consistently worrying about our salvation, I believe we miss a lot of opportunities to share the gospel. Not to mention, if that's what abundant life is, who wants it? But if we embrace our freedom in Christ, exhibiting love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. I'm convinced people who are enslaved by sin will take note. We are instructed by Peter to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. If we live beyond repentance, rejoicing in Christ, I am convinced that this broken world will start asking questions and they will do whatever it takes to have what you have. I say to you, I say to you, there'll be more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents. Then 99, 99 righteous persons who, who need no penance. Can you hear, can you hear the angels singing, singing alleluia, amen. Can you hear, can you hear the angels singing, Singing Alleluia, Amen. In each of the parables of Luke 15, rejoicing follows repentance. While the Pharisees and scribes may not care for the invitation to the sun celebration, let me tell you, this world wants to party. And even that's even if repentance is the price of admission. We need to be honest about who we are. And church, we are free. And freedom compels repentance. In conclusion, last Thanksgiving, God blessed me with a special picture of, of forgiveness. Uh, my kids, they love to drive the golf cart at Grammy and Poppy's. And Grammy and Poppy live in a country home outside of Tyler, Texas. And we'd given our four our four kids, some strict guidelines about driving that golf cart, specifically stay away from the other vehicles. The golf cart doesn't move very fast, but it sure could leave a mark. All of my children, they got big hearts. But one of them is especially sensitive. Now, I don't know where he gets that. That particular active child came to Bryn and confessed with glazed eyes and a trembling soul that they had run the golf cart into the bumper of Grammy's shiny black Tahoe. Mama consoled this sweet child, but she also told them that it was their responsibility to tell Poppy. Ugh. Now I know this child did not want to do that. No doubt that is why he was talking to his mom. But eventually, that little person mustered up the courage to talk to Poppy. And that was a proud dad moment. Because this former firefighter captain can be a pretty intimidating figure. But it gets better. Eventually that day, I saw our child walking alongside Poppy to the scene of the crime. And they were carrying a bucket of suds and some rags. And in no time, they washed that bumper clean 
together. Church, it's no fun to fess up when you've messed up. But it's a lot easier when your church family is patient and forgiving and loving like Poppy. Luke 15 shows us that repentance is necessary for salvation. And church, if we hope to persuade the world toward repentance, we must be honest about who God is. He is good. And we must be honest about who we are in Christ. And church, we are free. Repentance is actually a very good word. And we got to share it. If you need to share anything today, we have elders up front. We have them in the living room. We have them upstairs to meet with you. If you would like to repent and be baptized today, or if there is any way that this body can serve you today, we pray that you come while we stand and while we sing. Thanks for listening. To stay up to date on news and other events, visit southplains.org. We also extend special thanks to our countless volunteers who make all of our ministries possible. And remember, engage, lead, and celebrate others.